Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. You know we always want to hear from you. If you've got suggestions for guests or topics, send us an email at podcasts at hci.org. So I've mentioned to you all, my listeners, that we have had, I'm calling it a speaker series, if you will. So we've had an awesome team of folks from iSolved throughout the year, and today is going to add to that. We've got Megan Cohen. She is a V. P of HR services there at iSolve. And I'm going to turn it over to Megan to tell us a little bit about herself. But you all, the topic that we're talking about today, we've not talked about this. So I always love when it's something I'm going to learn from, you're all going to learn from, you might be doing this already. But we're going to talk about HR augmentation or outsourcing and what that looks like for this year, what it's going to look like as we're really continuing this year into next year. So we're so excited, A, Megan, to have you on, but tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you for that very warm welcome. I would be happy to. Um, So yeah, I'm Megan. I've been an HR practitioner for, gosh, going on 17 years now. I happen to live and work in California, so one of the most fun states in terms of HR work. It is, (laughs) right. (laughs) We have a lot of fun out here. And for me, it's been a very important part of my career because, you know, California is usually setting a trend, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing in the national conversation. We're often at the very bleeding edge of some of these decisions. So it's interesting to see certain things implemented early. But about half my career has been as an internal HR practitioner, HR business partner, you know, manager. The more recent half of my career, I've been a consultant. I've been leading HR consulting and outsourcing teams. Um, And today I lead a team of HR payroll and benefits professionals at iSolved. Yeah. But where you're bringing in your expertise, because since we're going to be talking about outsourcing, or I really appreciate this term of augmentation, but since we're going to be talking about that today, you've had some good experience. Plus, you've got your iSolved customers that are probably starting to think about this or have been thinking about this over the year. They have. And I will say they've been thinking about it quite a lot. We have been very busy helping our customers and we're looking forward to helping them and even more folks in 2024. What do you think? Is this trending for the time? Is this a new normal? What language should I use around this topic? It's sort of a term of art in a lot of ways. To me, outsourcing is a very broad catch-all concept. I love the term augmentation at iSolved, though, because to me, getting help with HR tasks can sometimes look like, please completely do it for me. But it can also sometimes look like I need some shared help here. I need a partner. I need someone that's going to hold my hand. I need someone to augment what I already have and what I'm already capable of doing so that we can kind of get to the next level as an organization and kind of keep maturing. So I think, you know, they're both generally applicable. I love the term HR augmentation personally. 
when I was looking through what our topic was today, I was like, I know, I know that word in context, but I was curious how we were using it. So I did look it up and I was like, Ooh, I like that term exactly for how you described it. But why do you think organizations are going in that way instead of perhaps internally growing their own HR departments? I mean, for starters, HR looks very different in a lot of different businesses, right? Sometimes HR is a fully staffed, fully trained 10-person HR team with recruiting functions and back-end HR operations functions. But sometimes HR looks like an office manager that's had to put on an HR hat and is struggling to feel confident that they are making the right decisions and that they are looking at all of the right aspects of HR. And they're really just trying to stay afloat. And so I think a lot of organizations are looking at you know, augmentation relationships are looking at outsourcing relationships because, you know, for starters, they're very affordable. You should usually be able to get HR help from an outside partner much more affordably than you could, you know, your next or even your first internal HR hire. And especially at the time of the year where we are, we're either doing budgeting or we're just past budgeting and we're looking into the future. And it can be a lot more practical to say, look, let's budget for a partner partnership that can be flexible, that can work with us rather than making that in-house investment in a person that we're going to have to train, we're going to have to manage, we're going to have to performance review, we're going to have to promote. You know, and this is not to knock individual HR people. I am an individual HR person, but we all come into the role with only the knowledge and skill set that we come in with, right? We're just people, we're individuals, but when you work with you know an outsourcing partner like iSolved or others, you get the benefit of an entire team of expertise, not just one person's knowledge set. And that team approach is really very effective to get help to businesses. And frankly, it's also more practical because sometimes it just doesn't make sense, especially when you're a smaller, medium-sized business, to do again, your first or your next full-time HR headcount, because you may not even know what you need yet from that person. That's right. Well, and I should mention too, is that what you all learned was that nearly 60% of HR departments are already outsourcing, and I suspect will continue in this upcoming year. So I wanted to make mention of that, that it is already happening, small, mid-sized, you know, every organization is looking at that. But here's my other question, and this came from your research too, and it's top of mind for me because it's one of my favorite topics is employee experience. And one of the things that I've loved talking to all the folks from iSolve because I know it's so valuable for you all as well, but I know research shows or your research has shown that it is a top priority employee experience for HR leaders. So will this idea or has this idea of augmentation help to create or fulfill that need to ensure a better employee experience? How is that working all together? I'm really glad you asked because, again, as an HR professional, employee experience and employee engagement is one of the things that gets me up in the morning is why I continue to work in the field. And for me, HR augmentation 
I think it can have a very direct impact on the employee experience in a number of ways. You know, for example, simplifying your processes as a business, you know, and making it easier and faster for employees to do those need to complete tasks, onboarding, requesting time off, you know, looking up information that's relevant to them for their benefits and saving that time and creating those simpler processes and simpler access means employees are wasting less time doing those non-critical to their role functions, you know, clearer policies for employees so that they understand what is available to them and how the business is going to treat them, you know, fair decision-making around everything related to pay and promotion all the way to discipline are all things that have such a direct impact on employee experience. But, you know, I think there are some indirect impacts as well that come when you take tasks and work off of the plate of existing HR teams and off of the plate of business leaders that are trying to handle HR for themselves, it gives those people in the business time to focus on what really matters, which is running their business, training their team, building a culture. And that is work that is very well done by people in the four walls of your organization. And you need to free up your time to do those things by getting help through this augmentation model. It's so smart. I remember back, I'd made a leap from nonprofit to the for-profit world. And I always say, I don't know if it's a revolution or evolution, but we were in the process of moving <laughs> into the strategic HRBP model at the time, right? And I'm talking over a decade ago. And I remember like this was so part of our strategy as you started to think about new roles for HR professionals to be able to be more strategic and more valuable to the business, this is exactly the conversation that was happening. You know, we were kind of assessing the workforce that we had, the employees in the HR space at the time, right? And moving them into roles to be able to take some of those tasks off. So it's very parallel to some of those big changes that other organizations may have gone through as they made that shift, which makes me think about maturity. You use this word already, but it makes me think about maturity of organizations. And I know you all have done so many customer events, right? So you're hearing about HR and this human capital management maturity, right? As you're at these events. So what are we saying to those organizations about how this is supporting that level of maturity? Well, you know, I think every organization is somewhere on the spectrum of the sort of HR maturity model. And even if you're not familiar and you're not like visualizing the stair step that I think you and I, you know, Cindy, are visualizing, you can still, I think, look within your organization and go, okay, I can tell there's some things we've handled. There's some stuff that is really on fire now, and there's a place I'd like to be right? That's not a novel concept, but every organization is going to need to, you know, walk and then crawl and then run. And you can't do that without identifying where you are on the spectrum and what you need to focus on today to have the biggest impact. And I think thoughtful leaders are going, look, I can't hire more people, right? That's not in the cards. We have to continue to make progress as a team and as a business with the resources that we have 
How are we going to do that? There's no point in saying, all right, we have a goal of using data to start making better business decisions, and we're going to start providing data to leadership and helping them understand what's happening in our business if you aren't even in the right place to collect that data in the first place, right? You have to be able to identify where are we and where are we going? And I think HR augmentation, you know, is an incredible way of one, getting help to even identify where am I right now? What should my priorities be today based on what we've got going on in the business that are going to really move the needle for us? And then also, I need some help. I need to get some stuff off my plate because we're not going to hire and we have to continue to move forward. So I'm going to strategically take these five things. I'm going to give them to a partner and that's going to free up more time in my day for us to progress and to take on more work around employee experience, engagement, development, you know, and all of those things. Yeah. It's so smart. And 40% of HR leaders, this is what I've learned from your research. 40% of HR leaders are in the market for new human capital management tech. So are we leveraging, investing? What does that look like? I mean, with new tech, does that automatically mean, okay, then we also need to be outsourcing yeah. or, okay, go ahead. Well, so, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm an HR professional and I run an HR consulting group, but we're part of a software company. We're part of a payroll and HCM business. And there's a reason for that. And I'm a big analogy person. You will learn this about me, but, you know, for me, technology is incredibly important, but it is just a vehicle. It's just an airplane to get you where you want to go, right? And an airplane sitting on the tarmac empty, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> it's not going to fly until you have a pilot, a co-pilot, a crew. You've got your employees in there. You know where you're heading. Everyone knows the safety briefing so we can get there compliantly. You know, technology alone is not the destination, right? The destination is full adoption of the technology and a realization of the investment in managers' time returns to them, employees' time, your time returns to you so that you can move on those, you know, bigger, more self-actualized, right? If we're talking about, you know, a hierarchy or a maturity, right? Move on to those tasks and those responsibilities and that thinking that you can only accomplish when you free up your time. And, you know, for me, HR strategy, when I sit down and I go, okay, I really need to get creative and think about this, it's very hard to be creative in one hour chunks of time scheduled on your calendar. <laughs> Has anyone sat down and gone, I'm going to write the great American novel and I'm going to do it in two hours on Friday because that's when I had time. Right. No. <laughs> no. It takes a lot of brain space and a lot of breathing space to be creative and be strategic and think of these great big ideas and initiatives. They're going to move your business forward. And if you are on fire and you're processing onboarding paperwork, you'll never have the breathing room to think of it. Yep. And you will learn this about me. I have these like little moments in my classes. And when I'm talking to guests and like, oh, singing our praise, right? Like it's talking about some of the things that we shared with our participants. But that is one of the things we say. You can't leave strategy to the last minute of the day. Like you Absolutely. have to be able to free up your time. And so as I shared with you in my experiences, 
you know, we started doing that when we moved into that strategic HRBP model, right? And we're now seeing this paradigm shift. It's happening again, but for different reasons, right? A lot of our organizations have made that move. I suspect a lot of your customers have made that move to that model. But now those other priorities, like you mentioned, employee experience, like you mentioned, sitting down and putting my strategy together for the next quarter, year, what have you, like we still have to take things off of our plate. So that echoes what we've been talking about for years. It's just a new time. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I've seen this happen so many times with businesses where specifically thinking, okay, we've bought the tech, we've arrived, we're done. So this is a true story. I never name names with my clients, but we were working with an organization. We were doing what we call an in-depth HR assessment. We were really helping them, you know, start to finish, look at every aspect of their existing team and their existing infrastructure, their existing processes, policies, and kind of helping build a roadmap for them on how they needed to, you know, move into the future, right? And one of the things we identified really quickly was, oh, you don't have an applicant tracking system. You don't have an ATS. That is something really impactful that you might want to consider. And they got really quiet in the meeting. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on? And they said, we actually implemented one a year ago and we just pulled it out a few months ago. And I went, oh my gosh, why? What happened? Was it the wrong software? You know, something go wrong in your implementation? And when we talked through it, it turned out that they hadn't thought through the change management of it. They hadn't gone through the steps of socializing it with the management team. They hadn't found champions, right, within those leaders that were going to be early adopters and were going to evangelize it and were going to tell all the other managers how great it was and get everyone on board. They thought the software is all we need. That is the end. And that's not the end. That's just the vehicle. (laughs) And it was heartbreaking, you know? And I think that when an organization doesn't really, it's not that they don't understand strategy or they don't understand change management, but they think to your point, once we launch this technology, it's going to take off. Yep. Because it's so obvious to us, right? We're professionals. We've seen the white papers. We know the stats. We know how much time ATS saves, but those managers don't live in that every day. All they know is I used to email you and now I have a login and I don't remember my password. That's right. (laughs) That's That's it. I'm working with a client right now and we're working into a recognition platform eventually, (laughs) eventually, but I echoed the same. I'm like, no, don't forget. We can't just flip a switch and everybody's going to all of a sudden use it. We have to like drive the same energy we've been working to now. So same goes for what you're talking about. I don't want too much time to slip away from us, Megan. One of the things I wanted to bring up with you is around compliance because I think that I've had conversations about AI. I mean, now we're talking about outsourcing. You know, I see these little news blips all the time about all this stuff. Compliance comes to mind, right? So they're so different. You mentioned when we were talking in the beginning before we hopped on, you serve the state of California or live in the state of California, which has all of the above. (laughs) above and it has some unique needs. 
So where does this idea of outsourcing, compliance, like how do we meet those needs or maybe those concerns of customers, maybe your customers or people that are in HR organizations out there that are a little bit nervous about that risk? I feel like concern that we are not compliant as a business is the number one reason that customers tell me they're exploring, you know, these types of augmentation services, especially since I don't love to say the C word, but COVID, uh, you know, affected all of our lives dramatically. And for a lot of us permanently, I've been work from home ever since with no sign of returning. Ever since then, I think it's been thrust upon business owners and HR teams alike that the compliance landscape is large, it is complex, and it is always changing. And as soon as you feel like you have you know, yourself on solid ground on a particular topic, it is going to evolve and it is going to change. Again, I get back to this idea that we are all just individuals with our own knowledge and our own time to try to do research and stay current. And as a person in a business responsible for compliance with HR, it is very intimidating when you start to think my business is growing. I don't know what laws are going to start to apply to me next year that didn't this year. I don't know what new regulation is going to come out that will impact us. We're expanding into new states that I've never worked in. I was never trained in compliance for California or New York or New Jersey or Florida. How is it different from the employment law and the HR compliance that I'm already aware of? All of those things are factors that I think are majorly driving businesses to look at augmentation help because you want a reliable partner who is staying current on all of these topics and you want them to have multi-state expertise. You want them to have national and local understanding because that is how it's going to affect you and being able to outsource that component of HR is the major driver into help leave administration. I mean, oh my gosh, I could talk about everything for an hour. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, that's good because I suspect organizations hold things close to their vest. And so then bringing somebody else in, like almost like what might feel like an outsider in to work on this compliance stuff could feel scary, but I think you're making a really good case for why it could be beneficial. All right, Megan. I wonder if we could do just a little bit of a teaser here. I know as you've talked, you've specifically given some ideas about how augmentation can really help our organizations. If you had to list out, to the best of your ability, if you kind of had to do a list for our listeners about what some of those priorities or tasks that outsourcing or augmenting our HR teams might help with. If you had to rattle off, maybe just a few, where would you end us? Like, what could they really take advantage of outsourcing by doing A, B, and C? I love wrapping on this question. It is a big answer. So I'm going to do it as directly as possible. I think compliance, which we've already talked about, is the number one reason to look for outside help. And compliance encompasses everything from, I need a handbook, I need policies, to I need decision-making guidance around hiring and termination, 
someone needs to go on a leave. And that would probably be number two is leave outsourcing and leave administration. Probably the most intimidating experience that an employee can go through and that their employer can try to support them through because it's highly steeped in the compliance world, but it's also such a critical moment in the employee experience to make sure that they feel supported by the policy, that they feel supported by their company. It's going to really resonate with them for years to come, how that experience went and how they were treated through that leave. Outsourcing payroll and benefits administration are major interests for businesses, again, trying to get more of that administrative work off of their plates. And although it's maybe lower on the list, I think it's still very important, which is this idea of strategic thought partnership, right? No matter where a business is on their kind of growth spectrum, whether they're just worrying about filings, OSHA, EEO1, compliance, or whether they're really starting to think about employee surveys, employee engagement, development, learning, making sure people have careers here and not just jobs. That strategic thought partnership from a seasoned HR person is a huge asset, no matter what your internal team looks like. I love this. You know, and thank you. I know to your point, it's a big question with a big answer, but Megan, I can't believe we're almost to 2024 already. That's so insane to continue to see the path of some of this as we move into the new year, but we are so grateful that you were able to take time for us today. I am very appreciative and I can't wait to talk to you again. All right, Nine to Thrive listeners, just a couple of things. Remember to send us a quick email at podcasts at hci.org if you do have suggestions. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you're listening on, for example, Apple Podcasts, just shoot us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in. Make it a great day, everyone.